Welcome back to... <laughs> Welcome back to what? Welcome back to this episode of In Omnia Paratus. I'm Angela, here with my co-host Jay, and... Wait, what? <laughs> oh god, I'm not ready. Are you new here? I, I am new here. Very new here. And welcome back to this episode of In Omnia Paratus, and welcome to another one of our episodes filmed at some point in the future. Aren't we filming in the past? <laughs> Is this not the past? and getting released in the future. The euphoria lighting is really confusing her. It really is. I feel like I'm in some club right now and I'm like five years old. Did you go to clubs often? Do well, we do we need to talk about that? You go to clubs at early ages? I No, it's just the club lighting and the presence of pillows. It's like nap time and clubs. Maybe we should work on your inner child a little bit more. We definitely should. But can we just work on the me of today? I had a morning. How four of you? <laughs> Okay, but seriously, got up at 7 a.m. to like get ready, start this day, got to public transportation, all public transportation was delayed for 40 minutes, got on public transportation, had things thrown at me by someone who then screamed at me until I got off the train. Thank you again for answering that call. And then I went to go get my eyebrows done and they are better than I thought they were, but I had a little bit of a panic attack initially because they are a very different shape than they normally are. I thought they were messed up for good. This sounds like your average day, Angela. I don't know what anyone who has had more than three conversations for your gut, gals, they, thems, all folk, you will never believe what happened to me today. At this point, it's like, okay, it's a Friday, Saturday. Okay, but I am forever in shock of this because like at some point I've got to catch a break. You get free food at fast food restaurants. That's true. Shout out to the Taco Bells of the world, keeping me in nachos supreme. Okay, but seriously, let's talk a little bit about this brow waxing appointment because this has never happened to me before. I was told to assume the position. <laughs> And what what's the position? Okay, so she grabbed the stool, rotated me, so I was directly in front of her, then grabbed my shoulders and pulled me forward to a uh, 45 degree angle. And then asked me to tilt my head all the way back to the like extreme point of tilting my neck, far as it could go. And I had to stay that way while she was waxing. You went to right? Yeah. Where we always go. I, don't I, I Is know. this your normal girl? No, this is not. So my normal girl is actually out for the month. So they called me this morning and we're like, hey, so she's actually going to be out today. She's not going to be back until next month. Do you want to keep your appointment or do you want to wait? Obviously, that's a while from now and, you know, things are happening. My brows look like caterpillars and then this happened. I don't know what to make of this. Sounds like a normal day for you. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but I was curious if you had ever heard of something like this before. No, when I went to trainings with the company, mm -hmm. I've like gone and like learned how they do and I've never heard that in my life. Me neither. Yeah, so very strange. Listeners, if you've ever experienced something like that, please let me know. Obviously, I'm not static about the shape of my brows, but they also don't look horrible. I like the shape. Angela has a lot of brows, so it takes a lot to mess them up. Unless she wants to go all Gen Z where they cut the little slit in it. Oh god, no, that was like a circa 2016 when I had the threading accident. I mean, Nate Jacobs on Euphoria, he currently, at time of recording, has one of those in his brow. I don't know if it was pre or post recording or filming, but that exists. Ugh, oh, Jacob Alordi. But 
I think today my waxing incident it's a great segue into our topic of skincare so last season Jay gave you all a really comprehensive look into what day and nighttime routines should look like what to look for in your products in terms of good ingredients bad ingredients and just getting to know your skin in general because that's really important and today we're coming back to it because skincare is a lifelong issue and something that we should all stay educated on and I know Jay has personally helped me a ton in this area over over the past few years, especially in the past two years, and I thought that this would be a great time to check in with all of you and let you know a little bit about my skincare journey as an opener into the greater conversation of democratizing and equalizing the access of information to what you should be looking for. Because I know one of the biggest problems that I've had over the years is that people have pushed products on me from family members to dermatologists to salespeople in store that have been kind of new and trendy or haven't really carried a lot of an explanation to them that weren't really helping the problem. So I thought that Jay, as our resident skincare and beauty savant should help walk us through this conversation together just like she's helped me. I definitely think since the YouTube beauty guru social media beauty skincare space has opened up so much this whole democratizing of information has gone on like there are so many dermatologists on TikTok and Instagram fact checking brands looking at launches talking about what does and doesn't work obviously not every opinion holds the same weight and not every even medical professional agrees, but it is much easier than it was five, 10 years ago to get this kind of information if you just look it up, even if you just look up ingredients. Disclaimer, whatever needed, I am not a medical professional. I don't give skincare advice. I more give recommendations off of various experts I trust, research I've done, and education I've had. Please do your own and always consult with your doctor before trying any new products. Patch test, which is where you take a little bit of the product and either try it on the inside of your elbow or knees, or I think like on your decollete. It's where some of the most sensitive skin is. And also, I don't know if I'm making this up completely. I know it's like where your sweat glands are. So I think it's like more susceptible to penetration. I don't know. I feel like I've heard that once though. Try it. Not an expert. Just someone who's learned a bunch and tries to share what they know to help others. Here, here. And if you're like me and you get easily overwhelmed and you have no idea where to start with all of this information, hopefully this episode helps you a little bit. So I guess you got to start at the beginning, right? So I've had problem I don't know do we even still call it problem skin I mean generally speaking yeah but we're much better at our being able to articulate what the problem is do you have big pores do you have blackheads do you have acne is it hormonal acne is it cystic acne is it genetic acne like mm -hmm. whiteheads there's much more of a language for it but yeah in general problem skin <laughs> so I've had problem skin since about 2006 and that was so when you were like 20 middle yeah um so about middle school for me but I honestly didn't realize that I had problem skin until I got to college. Which Why? is super weird. Um, I knew that I got pimples and blackheads and I had various issues that kind of went depending upon the season with oil control, but I didn't know that it was something that can necessarily be considered a problem until it was pointed out to me. So I obviously like, I remember like I always had acne washes and various different astringents, toners, spot treatments, whatever, but it didn't feel like it was something really all-encompassing in my life through middle school and high school. Like I just remember thinking like, oh, I've got a pimple today, putting toothpaste on it, or like doubling up for face washes like when I get home and before I go to bed. Like it wasn't something that really dominated a huge portion of my mind 
until I got to college and I was sitting around with my dorm mate and we were going through everyone's Facebook photos. They pulled up mine, airplayed them to the TV, I think, or something like that, whatever it was, the technology was at the time. And I could see all of the little red dots on my face. So because you never saw it in a photo before, you didn't realize? It didn't seem like an issue until you saw it in a photo? I guess the way that I'd looked at it, I looked at them all as like one-off individuals. I never realized, oh, my entire face seems oh, to be you. covered. Okay. Yeah, like in my mind, looking back on it, I always thought of it as individual things. Like, oh, I have a breakout on my chin today, or there's something on my nose. Not there's something on my nose and on my chin, my forehead. And they're consistently. Consistently there, yeah. Oh, that must have been very good for your self-esteem during those years then. Oh, yeah. Honestly, before I got to college, I thought I was so cute. Seriously, I was the most confident person in my looks. The biggest thing that dominated my mind in terms of the way that I looked before college was how does my hair look? Oh, we need to do a whole episode on this. <laughs> yeah, so I, I didn't realize until that point and then I saw it and I was like, oh my god, okay, I really need to get a little bit more on board with this. And then all of a sudden I was in college in Southern California in one of the hottest places in Southern California. With bad water. Bad water, constantly sweating, constant exposure to sunshine. Like I couldn't wear makeup or anything like that. So it actually, my freshman year of college turned out to be a really good healing year for my skin. And mentally. Yes, and mentally, very much mentally. Doubled up on the face washes, saw a dermatologist for the first time, and what is it? They gave me retinol and yep. something else. And so I was like heavily using the sunscreen, no makeup. They finally talked to me about what non-comediogenic makeup is. Um, and so for those of you that don't know, non-comediogenic makeup, face washes, lotions, things like that are specifically formulated to not be pore clogging. So they stay on your skin, but they don't stick to your skin long-term. Like they'll easily wash away. So started using those and it was all fantastic. But then second year of college came around and I had a ton of health issues and again, everything kind of layered hormonally. And I think that's when my hormonal acne really set in. And then it became a much bigger issue of not just not using the right products for my skin, but having underlying things happening in my body that were causing these extra fluctuations and breakouts. And so that's suddenly when things kind of took a turn and I focused far more on my face and the, I don't want to say like my physical appearance because obviously my hair is my physical appearance, but when I became far more aware of my face and the rest and how the rest of my body looked. Yeah, we'll come back to that in just one minute. But was the K through 12, would you think reflecting on it now, was it false confidence? Or do you think it was naiveness or you had to act to self-awareness or college just really said like F you Angela, like drop, like humble yourself or like what, what was it? I think in part it might be a lack of self-awareness because I don't think, I think I was seeing what I wanted to see, but at the same time, like it also wasn't necessarily reflected back to me. Like I, no one brought it to my attention. I wasn't made fun of for it. Like my, I remember like my mom, she would be like, oh no, you have a pimple here, put something on it. But it wasn't this constant thing of like, oh my gosh, you have
have all these pimples, you need to cover your face. Like there wasn't a huge push for me to have to fix it. So I didn't think it was a very big deal. Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, whatever. It's something that happens and we move on. And then it wasn't until college when it became more of a thing. When you're in a broader group of your peers, people start, you, you interact kind of on a different level. And I started getting more questions from people around me and then even just strangers in the world when I was out, like giving me recommendations like, oh, you should try this product for your skin. This will help clear up that breakup. Oh, if you wash your face more, you'll have less breakouts. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's kind of when it finally, or at least when it fully started to settle in, oh, this is a problem. Mm -hmm. But then it was also kind of this weird thing because it was a problem and it's my problem because it's on my face, but it seemed to be more of an outward problem as well. So I didn't fully know how to deal with that. And it really kind of settled into me um, as a point of anxiety where I really started to fixate over it. And yeah, then, I don't know, then enter Jay and our friendship and um, us spending a lot of time together and eventually living together. And you saw firsthand like my struggle with it, my obsession with it, like my putting on makeup to go to bed because I was insecure about the pimples on my face, the dark marks left over from former pimples, the oil control, constantly just throwing different things at my face to see what was gonna happen. And then I think what it was only in like late 2019 that I finally found things that started to work. And in like mid 2020 that I actually got to see the results of all of that work. I think it was before, because it was before the pandemic. Really? Maybe that's just when I noticed it. Yeah, because you're at home looking and you're more regimented. You're not wearing as much makeup. I think everyone's skin improved during the pandemic because they were just wearing less makeup because mm -hmm. they weren't doing as much. I will say I was one of the people to say like, oh, you should wash your face more. I will like take, however, being that Angela would frequently sleep over at my apartment and then we, as she already admitted, did live together. I saw her not washing her face. So that is the first solution when you see someone going to bed in makeup is like the first thing is like, well, stop going to bed in makeup. Like mm -hmm. stop. Like you need to wash that off. Like you need to wash your face. So although like I was another one of the people to perpetuate that narrative, I had a base for suggesting it, not just because like, you're, you look dirty, like it looked mm. dirty. No, like I see you not washing your face. No, like totally. I think, especially I think my like junior and senior year, that's kind of when I hit a point where I was like, nothing is going to help. Mm -hmm. None of this is gonna work. So what does it even matter? I'll just cover it all up with makeup. And then, you know, as I got the comments from other people to help me with my makeup, I wasn't even doing a good job with that. So yeah, it def I definitely needed to make a change there. And I don't know, I, I will admit as well, Jay tried to help me for a long time and I was very resistant to it because I heard so much conflicting advice over that time of like, oh, well you need to try, like obviously you need an acne clearing face wash, you need to see a dermatologist. The only thing that's gonna work is proactive. Oh, you should be using clay masks, using extra hydration. Stop hydrating your face so much. Um, stop using sunscreen, it's gonna clog your pores. Just so many different things that I heard that I didn't know where to really settle all of that information. And for the right person, all of that information is true and for the wrong person, it's false. Because mm -hmm. I know people 
who all of those things work for different ways, needed to work in different ways. But the biggest thing when trying to clear your skin is to not just switch everything. Cause I think at one point you did just buy all new products and I told you do not try them at the same time because mm -hmm. then you can't isolate what is and isn't working. And I don't believe you did listen the first time I told you that. I don't think I listened the first three times you told me that. You're like, I bought this and this and this. I'm like all of those things are good, but you don't know if your skin likes that or not. Or what it needs. And I also ditched Joy Angela Far cause her skin was so oily. I mean, mine was oilier in college than it is moving back to the Bay Area too, but it was so oily and like, mine i was oily but i also i just run very warm so like i sweat a lot like angela wasn't a big sweater at least from what i saw and so yours was you had much more oil than sweat buildup but like, i could tell that oh like, for sure i my felt like was sliding off my face yeah so like i really didn't know certain things about like oily skin I mean, it makes sense looking now which we'll get to the end of angela's skincare journey but i think it was really hard because like, you were so oily in college that mm -hmm. and also like climate makes a huge difference like when you're in the freaking desert as opposed Mm -hmm. to like being in like foggy bay area whether you're in like chicago when you go to new york when you go to hawaii how your hair would be so much better because of like mm -hmm. the tropical water like where you are really can impact it so it's like you might have really oily skin in the desert but really dry skin somewhere else mm -hmm. colorado where the climate where you're at higher elevation or something mm -hmm. i think my first really big turnaround was when you were still working for the beauty retailer and i came in for one of your events mm -hmm. and they used this um i think it was like green tea lotion on my face mm -hmm. and all of the redness went away that day and i had loved that brand for like three years i know and i think you had tried to get me on that train but i was so focused on the fact that my skin was oily and i'm like no i need to strip all of the oil i just i need things that are really drying mm -hmm. so when i finally started hydrating my skin it was a huge game changer yes so i for a while really pushed clay masks and like products to help dry out and skin until i learned about started hearing about like sometimes super dry skin just like how people or hair dandruff and dry scalp present the same way flaking scalp but you mm -hmm. need to know what it is because if you have dry scalp the last thing you need is a clarifying shampoo to strip it more you need to hydrate your scalp so it's more moisturized mm -hmm. first if you have dandruff you do need to like remove the buildup and use sulfates and all of that so similarly on your skin when your skin is not producing enough oil naturally or like producing enough and then you're drying it more with drying products it's going to produce more oil to make up for what it's losing and it's already so low but at some point if you continuously do that you're just gonna have oily skin mm -hmm. and so i was oh i heard somewhere i don't know whether it was on youtube or a professional told me like sometimes try if you know someone with really oily skin try hydrating it try doing the opposite so i told this angela didn't believe me then she went into some other place with a real like a beauty retailer that told her about a brand i had already been like oh my god like this girl told me that like i needed to like use some hydrating products so she recommended this this and this thank you who suggested that three years ago yes that was me fully not listening to Jay and after that I was like okay I'm a hundred percent on board. I think it's not necessarily that I didn't trust you it's that I was so super jaded about things not working and I was just like whatever it's all gonna be the same thing no one seems to really have an answer to what's going on here so I'm just gonna do it so that's on me for not fully believing mm -hmm. in those products but man seriously okay once I tried them huge game changer I want to say like 
85% of my breakouts were just gone. And then that's when I really noticed that the acne that I had was related to my Hormones. hormonal cycle. Yeah. And so I fought it for a really long time because I remember when I was 19 and I went into the dermatologist's office, they, for the first time, they were like, oh, we'll just give you birth control pills to control your acne. And I really didn't want that. And I still don't believe that that's a solution, but I did start birth control last year and huge game changer. I get one pimple per month instead of 18. I mean, I don't think it's BS that they recommend it. I think it's so unfortunate with all of the side effects that birth control comes with that we can't isolate whatever it needs to just mm -hmm. for the skin benefits. Cause like I also started birth control for a non-pregnancy reason and it's frustrating when they push it so fast for something that's not what it, it's not for birth control. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, it does help. I know people say it helps glow skin or some people it ruins their skin. It really depends on what you use and what you already do. Mm -hmm. I don't know, it's hard. And sometimes I have recommended things to people and Angela that they haven't liked and I don't take it personally. Oh, I thought this would work really well for your skin. But sometimes like you just need to try it and then there is a toner I love that I got Angela to try. It doesn't work for her. It's like, oh, okay, it doesn't work for her. But if she was like, oh, it doesn't work for me. It, I need something more stringent. I need something more this. I You can gauge it. When someone's like, I have bad skin. And I'm not saying Angela just came and said that, but when they can't articulate what they think is wrong or what they want to change, product recommendations can only go so far and mm -hmm. all products are not alike. There's this one account I like on TikTok who took like 10 vitamin C serums from the top brands and like put them in like a glass of like something to show like their efficacy and mm -hmm. only like three turned clear, which is what you wanted. And the rest turned brown. I think it was like a pH scale or something. Oh, okay. I don't know. But the point is there are a bunch of reviews like that where they try different brands and they show the efficacy of products as realistically just as they can get them. And sometimes it's just exactly how your body works. Like they might be like, oh my God, never use X brand by X product, but like it works for you. So use it. Mm -hmm. I think it is interesting how skincare is so personal. Your regime is so personal. What you do and do not use so personal. The choices you make, but like the appearance on your face is a very public thing that everyone does feel the need and justification to weigh in on. I think that's all projection. Cause I think no one's, I mean, I don't wanna say no one. People aren't saying like when I do it, it's like, oh my God, like I wanna help you. Like I see this is hard for you. Like I fortunately had decent skin. I have very sensitive skin. So I can't play too much with products. But once I find them and I stick a like cleaner brand, like I did have a phase where I started breaking out a little bit. I went on proactive and it helped me. And then I went off. I did the Clinique three step, which I know a lot of like middle and high schoolers use. Mm -hmm. Like I had like baby breakouts, but nothing compared to like I have friends who like had to go on Accutane like kind of breakouts. What is Accutane? So it's a oral supplement you take. I think like, I don't know if you have to go off birth. I know like there's pregnancy risk or miscarriage risk. Wow. It's, it's really, it's like, I don't, this is not a medical opinion. This is just the way it sounds. It's like retinol from the inside out. Like you peel, like you like shed so much skin. Oh, it's kind wow. of like if you do one of those foot masks for your face, like you shed and shed and shed, just continue to shed layers of skin and like till you get like fresh skin underneath. But it's long, painful. It dries up all of the skin on your body, not just on your face. Oh, oh, that does not sound fun at all. It isn't, but like when people, like, it was funny when you were saying earlier how like you knew you had pimples, but like it didn't bother you. Like as a kid, I thought if someone had acne, it's like, oh, they had dirty skin or I had dirty skin. Like acne was like, you weren't taking care of your skin. Like it didn't mm -hmm. just, it wasn't just cause you were a teenager. It's like, oh, you're like, it, it's unhygienic to have acne is kind of the way I saw it. Mm -hmm. So like for me, anyone who had acne was like, ew. So it's interesting that you were fortunate enough to go your whole like adolescence without hearing or seeing that. Cause that's all I thought. It's like, if you have acne, like you're not cleaning your face enough. See, that's so interesting. Cause I feel like, I don't know. I think within myself and like the value that I place on my personal care, 
hair like especially from like a young age I was like a hundred percent this is not my fault because I always like doing something like I used to and I still do it now I'd have spa Sundays where I'd spend all this time like giving myself a facial washing my face I take a bath um and then like shower after because like hide bath I don't I fully I don't necessarily understand how baths are unhygienic I mean I get it I also don't get it but like you know bath shower afterward and then I do my nails I am doing everything that I can to like help my body super lotions shea butters oils all this stuff I was like it's not me so I was like no one can fault me for this and then all of a sudden that just took a huge turn but yeah like I don't know I mean I guess as well like I was very fortunate that no one brought it to me that way very but no fast forward to now have the perfect skin regimen have the birth control it's controlling the hormonal breakout for the most part hydrating my skin properly but then now I have all of these additional questions about some things because like in terms of like clean beauty sustainable products and packaging the different ethics of certain brands sometimes navigating that can be very hard as well because if there's something that works really well for my skin it's hard for me to give it up sometimes to know that oh like this packaging and this material sourcing isn't the best for the planet or for people and it's like and I want to do my part and not support that brand and like continue the overall and continue the oversight of the needs of people in our planet but sometimes finding a replacement is hard well before we go into those questions let's not have you as the kids say girl boss gatekeep your skincare routine and the products you use since you value them so much yes okay as jay said earlier she's not a doctor i'm not a doctor i'm not an esthetician a cosmetologist i cannot tell you that these products are 100 percent gonna work for your skin but they do work for my skin so so skin type skin type i have dry skin that tends toward oiliness when not hydrated properly i have a medium complexion, olive undertones, and I have texture issues in form of eczema, pimples, and blackheads. And I have large pores. So I start my day out with the Dermalogica oil-free cleansing wash and no, not not the... No, but what, what, it's not called oil-free or what, it, what's the name of it? Oil-free. The special cleanser. Special cleanser, yeah. Right? Yeah. And then I use the Ordinary Hyaluronic Acid uh, with vitamin B and then I use mad hippie vitamin C and then I use peach and lily matcha moisturizing pudding and then I use uh, super glue unseen goop super goop yeah super goop unseen sunscreen SPF 40 and then at night I use the Dermalogica pre-cleanse the liquid or the oil the oil or the oil there's the, the balm or the oil the balm and then I use the Dermalogica special cleanser again and then I go in with the ordinary niacinamide. I think it's 2.5%. And then Mad Hippie. Ah, uh, it's Mad Hippie facial oil. Adaptogen facial that's, oil. That's a word. I will link all of this in the show notes as well. And then back with Peach and Lily matcha moisturizing pudding. And thankfully that has kept my skin in a very nice balance mm-hmm. for the past year and a half. So hopefully it keeps on working. And do you see the skincare routine as one to assist with your tech? 
texture, dark cloth, acne, or do you see it as a maintenance skincare routine? Let's say you tried a new oil and like you got like six breakouts. Like is this your like maintenance skincare routine or is this a skincare routine to like help you improve the issues you've seen? I think it's definitely helped improve okay. the issues overall. And yeah, so my dark spots have faded considerably. I've had far fewer breakouts. I've noticed, I think everyone knows, and it's actually really noticeable in photos as well of me that I don't edit. Pores on my nose are gigantic and- um, Subjectively. I will agree to disagree with you on that fact. I think they are gigantic. Yes, that's why it's subjective. And, okay, all right. Object. Subjectively, they are gigantic. And I've noticed that particularly the combination of vitamin C and hyaluronic acid really helped um, shrink those up. I think I think that's what's doing it. It might be something else that I'm using. And it doesn't not help. Like, quick recap, hyaluronic acid is a... God, I don't know if it's humectant. Basically, it helps to hydrate your skin from within, plump up the cells as well. Mm -hmm. And vitamin C the shortcut to it is brighten, tighten, and lighten. So mm -hmm. both of those things could do that because you need the hydration and then to brighten, tighten pores. Mm -hmm. I can't say that like that's exactly the reason, but true. No, and can't not, if it's working, it's not hurting it, mm -hmm. which I think is the most important part is finding a skincare where like nothing bothers you. Mm -hmm. No, that's very true. And that's I the hardest part a lot of the time, finding a skincare where nothing can just bother you. Like it might not be clearing your acne. It might not be lightening your dark spots, but it's not harmful. And I think people are so, anxious to try to quote unquote like fix what they feel like they're facing is fixing that they don't realize the value in having like a maintenance baseline routine for themselves of products they know they can go to when they travel or when they just need a reset mm -hmm. yeah no i think that's definitely everything that i'm using on a daily basis if i feel like i ever need to bump it up i do have some other things that i use i think the origins vitamins night cream that actually really helps when i have that has retinol in it i believe i think so so, the um, brown tip. Yeah. I think that's like a retinol or a retin-A or a vitamin A type mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Helps out a ton with my breakouts. Definitely helps fading those spots yep. as well. Basically everything in the peach and lily line has been amazing for my face. And in the summer, that's essentially all I'll use. But in when the weather gets colder, I need a lot more help from products that are a little bit heavier. Um, but just going back to the vitamin C hyaluronic acid pores thing, I was actually listening to one of Dr. V's YouTube videos. Videos Who's that? Today. <laughs> yes. So Dr. V is Dr. Vanita Rattan. She is... Um, owner founder of the hyperpigmentation clinic and she specializes in um, hyperpigmentation treatments and skincare for her website calls it ethnic skin so that's the term we're going to use ethnic skin so she specializes particularly in asian and african skin but anyone who has extra melanin um, who would consider themselves to be non-white her tips and tricks extend to you but doesn't and, all skin matter yes all skin does matter all skin like i said earlier we've all got to take care of it. We all stop producing collagen at 25, but around if, 25, around 25. But if you have more melanin in your skin, you actually have to take care of it a little bit differently. So one of the things that I actually learned today is that if you have an olive complexion or just or any skin darker than that, you're actually predisposed to have larger pores and anything. But you can be light skinned with an olive complexion. So is it people who have more melanin or is it the tone of it? Like people who run? Okay. I'm saying 
saying this, I know, mm -hmm. don't take this dramatic, like I'm talking about Hulk or Elf, about like, are you saying people who run green or people who are of darker complexion? Uh, people who are of darker complexion. Okay. Because you can be olive and be lighter. Yes. And you can be olive and be darker or be pink and be darker and be warm and be darker. I think it was noted olive with more melanin. Okay. Yeah. So that's something that I actually didn't know until today. And I do know your pore size is linked to genetics and everything. Mm -hmm. Pores, larger pores definitely do run on one side of my family. So unfortunately it is just something that I have to deal with. And thankfully I have the tools now to deal with it. But I was listening to one of her episodes on YouTube where she was doing a breakdown of different products for large pores. And she was explaining why certain things will help other people more than others. And interestingly enough to go back to the, to go back break. to the difference between melanin skin and non-melanin skin, we actually have a lot of restrictions around retinol. So if you're Caucasian, Caucasian still work? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I think she described have Caucasian skin, they can use as much retinol as they want. But if you have more melanin in your skin, you should actually try to keep it to less than 2% because you're actually more likely to cause hyperpigmentation and to bring back marks darker than before when you stop the use. But aren't you more predisposed to dark marks if you have more melanin skin? Yes. But so retinol will make it more. It. Yep. I think it probably has something to do similar to, have you heard of IPL? Intensive pulse light therapy. It's kind of like laser, but like they have an at-home version of it and they have like professional versions of it? No, I haven't. So basically it's a type of, it's not lasering, it's called an intense pulse light therapy and basically it kind of does the thing where it zaps it, but it works best on people, it's, oh my God, not, it's not the Kinsey scale or the French scale, it's a scale that begins with an F. Mm -hmm. Fitzgerald, it's something, Fitzpatrick scale, I think it's a Fitzpatrick scale. Basically that has to do with your, your skin tone mm -hmm. and it, IPL works best on people who have light skin and dark hair. Because oh, I've heard about this. Because it's like laser, it's like a, not lasering, but it kind of like burns the follicle off the root and like mm -hmm. it can kind of replace lasering and is a lot cheaper of an alternative. But I think similarly to that, people who have, I think like frankly, you might even be too dark to use it or mm -hmm. you might be on the border of it because you do have such dark hair. But like people who have darker than Angela, who is not very dark, cannot like use this because the patch feel like it, it won't, like the, the pulse light won't register. Mm -hmm. So I think that probably sees something similar. And also like if you get marks left over afterward. All of these different things that I actually frankly like had never considered that I would need to think about before you showed me her YouTube channel last year. Mm -hmm. When I found her and I was like oh cool and then she was like doing things specifically for like had a goal with people with more melanin. So I'm like oh let me like send it to Angela because like she gave a lot of advice that I just liked in general but also she knew more about that area and has a very strong passion for it because she herself is a more medium complexion mm -hmm. female. Okay so that's what you do nightly. Is there any particular mask or acne treatment or like you talked about like your lotion you use but like when you want to like give that extra oomph you have a date you're going to a wedding you're going to a ball I don't know <laughs> like what are you gonna do to like extra like punch it um oh that's actually a really good question um well Angela thanks I... I'll tell you what not to do <laughs> so I was in our reoccurring guest Allie her wedding a few years ago and I was cocky enough to do a charcoal mask do not do any sort of charcoal or clay mask the night before a big event I do not know this completely scientifically 
exactly, but I do know it helps to get all the gunk out of your face and rise it to the top of your face. It might not completely clear it, but what it will do is if you have a pimple that may be gonna show up in about a week or two that you didn't know was gonna happen, brings it right to the surface. So I had a right red painful pimple the day of her wedding. Fortunately, I covered it up with makeup. I don't think anyone could tell, but it was painful. I was annoyed because I was cocky enough to think that after a plane ride down to SoCal that it wouldn't happen. So yes, clay and charcoal masks, things that are detoxifying, leave to like four to five days before a big event and then stick to hydrating and glowing and things closer to the event. Oh, oh my God. Well, no, you bringing that up, I seriously don't remember you having a pimple. So you did cover it up really well. But as far as anything extra, I ha actually haven't pushed too far into that right now. I do before, like I know I want to look really good. I've, I've actually started using a home like microdermabrasion treatment from Youth to the People microdermabrasion mask. Oh, okay. I thought you got real microdermabrasion products. It's like, no. Oh, no. Honestly, I think the biggest thing that I do before anything that I want to look really good for is I do dermaplane my skin because like you said, I have really dark hair. My peach fuzz looks like a five o'clock shadow. So that's something that I need to be a little conscious of and make sure that I do a few days before I want to look good because it will inflame my skin afterward. No matter how gently I try to do it, how much oil I put on my face beforehand, I will come out red as a tomato. And actually before my one of my last first dates that I went on, I did it the night before and I similarly felt super cocky because afterward my skin felt great. I went to bed, woke up in the morning, no redness still, all looked great. Around noon the day of my date, all of a sudden I felt a burning and I was red as a tomato from my eyes down. Dermaplaning is something that you can do. It is a maintenance thing. You have to maintain it once you start dermaplaning mm -hmm. your face. Um, Some people do it like who do have darker hair on their face and who feel more aware of it than they would like to be so they would rather remove it. It can also help lightly exfoliate that top layer of skin. It can help product sink in better so even if you don't have the concern of of the hair and the peach fuzz being there. It is something to consider, but it is a commitment once you do start. Definitely. You get like real five o'clock shadow after you start doing it. You and your partner can compete. <laughs> oh my God, seriously. I'd say that's the biggest thing that I do right now. I am looking for a really good new uh, foundation alternative to help me feel confident when I do want to put makeup on. Uh, just because the previous foundation that I was using, the YSL something something stick. Clock. Yes, that has now been discontinued. Um, I haven't been able to find anything great to replace that. Mm -hmm. Like I would love a great non-comediogenic makeup stick, foundation stick, but I don't think that's gonna happen. Does Ilya have one? They might. Speaking of Ilya, have you ever been in a credo? No, I want to though. I've heard great things. I've wanted to go in and they're like the highest standard of clean. I talked about in my skincare episode. They're like mm -hmm. the highest standard. They have a board of just medical professionals with medical degrees going through and scoping through the products. And it's not only about ethical ingredients, it's ethical sourcing and sustainability and their packaging products, like their whole process, the whole supply chain of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did happen upon one a couple months ago and I didn't have a ton of time so I didn't get to look around much, but I do want to go back. I did like what they had to say in the store, but it's something I wanted to check in with you about because I feel like I'm definitely that person who doesn't know enough and doesn't have enough of the patience to sit and do the research. So mm -hmm. thank God I have you <laughs> and other people who know more about this. Their website is super thorough too. Like you can look at like the founder of the brands, the supply chain of all of the brands and the packaging and things from them. They're very transparent. Oh wow. Yeah, I will definitely go back in there. But speaking of ethic 
sustainability and all of that, do you have any advice for making those brand switches if you want or even just figuring out if the brands that you're using are ethical and sustainable? Because I know I've seen a few articles online that even like on certain websites, what they label, what they label as clean beauty might not actually meet the standards of clean beauty. Yeah, I think it's a for clean is SL like sulfate free and fragrance free and paraben free, but there are other things that they can do like fragrances and linoleum and oils and other things that aren't great. I would say, I mean, starting off Google is free. I think start just like by easily Googling products. The EWG has a section where you can type in ingredients and they give you things. Polish Choice, which is a black owned skincare company, has a huge encyclopedia of ingredients. I don't know if you can look up every product, but you can look up ingredients. The most important ingredients on the back of your beauty label are the top five, I believe. I mean, after the first five to seven ingredients, kind of like when you read the back of a nutrition label, everything is under a certain percentage, but everything that is under 1% can go in any order they want. So if like, let's say fragrance, which some people can be very sensitive to is under 1%, they can still put it at the very bottom and they can put like, let's say they have less than 1% of a vitamin C, they can put that at the very top. So when you're reading the bottom of those ingredients list or less than 1%, know that those can be in any order that the brand chooses. So just because you see an ingredient that is good or an ingredient that is bad, doesn't mean it. Some people have different opinions on preservatives. I think so it's just about doing your own research and finding people you trust. But yeah, the EWG, Credo, I think has some information other brands. Polish Choice are the ones I go to. And just knowing what your skin does and doesn't like. I think the big thing with sustainability that people don't bring up enough, the most sustainable thing you can do is use the products you have. So if you have products you love and use, use them. And then when you finish them and you're gonna need to buy a new product anyway, then switch over. Like there is a moisturizer I recommended to Angela, which company came under some bad heat during 2020 and all of like the Black Lives Matter protests. And so I recommended some new ones like the Peach and Lily Matcha. But before she finished, before she bought a new one, I was like, use it because the most, the least sustainable thing you can do is just buy a new product to replace it because then you're contributing to the supply chain. You're contributing to the business. You're contributing to everything. When if you just use the product you had, yeah, you already, this the impact is already there. Mm-hmm. So it's less impactful to buy new products than to use the ones you have. And to round us out, I thought I would just round up some of the questions that I've been thinking about lately that I would ask you because it's what I do. But now we're, I'm inviting the listeners in. Okay. Is overexfoliating actually a thing? Yes. It's How- why people say to stop using the classic, I used to love using this as a child, the St. Ives apricot scrub. And why to not use Kylie's walnut scrub because those create micro tears in your skin. And I'm not saying like overexfoliating, think of it this way of like, let's say you had like a cut on your hand, right? Mm -hmm. And you exfoliated it. And then you exfoliate it in that cut again. Mm-hmm. Your skin can't regenerate. Your skin can't heal. Nothing. You're what? You're exfoliating like the baby skin. Oh, okay. Because like feel the inside of your arm. Mm-hmm. You know what it feels like when you exfoliate. It feels something similar to this. What if you exfoliated right here? It's- okay, yeah, that wouldn't be great. So if I am looking for something like that, like I, as if you, you are know, looking not- over exfoliate. <laughs> No. I would say don't. If, um, say you're like me and you have... Well, body or face, first of all. Body. Okay. Yeah, I'd say body. I think I've definitely encountered over-exfoliating my face, but what I always wonder about is can you over-exfoliate your body? Because I feel like I'm prone to a lot of lotion residue. I feel like it. I have, I've never really found one that easily like absorbs into my skin. And so I feel like every time I shower, I get that like 
gross, like, sludgy feeling that I want to scrub off. I don't really know what feeling you're talking about, but I would say, do you dry brush? I tried. I'm a baby about it. I mean, I would say dry brushing because it's, like, much, it, like, it sloughs off your dead skin on dry skin, so it, I don't know. I, I think it's pretty gentle, and then. Okay, maybe I'm just using a really harsh brush. I don't know. I can show you the one I have in the bathroom, and you can tell me. Okay. But, like, that, and then it's, like, I use sugar scrubs and things. Like, don't use them on your face. Do not use sugar scrubs and coffee scrubs on your face. Mm -hmm. But, like, on your body, if it can take it, I don't think. About the lotion thing, do you put it on when your skin is damp or when your skin is dry? Damp. What happens if you do it when it's dry? I've always been told to do it when it's damp too, but I'm just curious, like, maybe your skin, like, the water, like, fights the moisturizer you use. Like, it's kind of, <laughs> apologies that this is the only analogy coming into my head. If you are using, like, a silicone adult toy and a silicone-based <laughs> um, lotion to go with it, <laughs> you can't use them together because it creates traction mm -hmm. so like similarly if you're moisture it's like why you don't mix oil-based like moisturizers and a water-based foundation because they don't mix mm -hmm. so i don't know what you're using in regards to that but like like if it's oil versus water like maybe it's repelling so like interesting i'll look at that no i i use vaseline brand lotion that's the one i've had the most luck with anything else has been worse wait really Oh no. Okay. I'll we'll have to look into this. Those because that's very oily based, which might be why it's not working in the shower. Oh. Like those are petroleum based, which I have heard mixed things on. I mean I don't know, like Vaseline is petroleum. Mm-hmm. Alright, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to look into this. Oh, this is a big one for me, which I actually kind of got an answer to this morning, but I'm still interested in your take on it. Um, for different facial serums, how do you know which ones can work together and which ones can't? Like, I know, again, Google and you can look yeah, it up. Yeah, Google is free. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Google is free, but I mean, if you're someone like me and you're going out shopping and someone tells me like, oh, you should use this, this, and this every night, I'll use them every night and I'll use them together. And it wasn't until I saw something on Instagram talking about how this chart shows you how to use your serums in a way that isn't going to cause bad chemical reactions that it kind of dawned on me, oh, maybe there's something a little more th more to this? I mean, I don't know. Like, I always just Google it or, like, listen to YouTube people saying, like, which one ingredients don't go together. I know that vitamin C plays very well with niacinamide. Mm -hmm. I know retinol should typically be, is just smarter to use at night because you peel with it. Mm -hmm. I've heard vitamin C. I've heard some people say they use it in the morning. Some people say they use it at night. Those are the only ones I personally know. I I personally only use a cleanser and sunscreen in the morning. Mm -hmm. And then if I do, I use, I have a like a hydrating toner and then I use niacinamide in the morning. And then I use like oils and more hydrate. I stick to things that are more like active in the morning and things that are more hydrating at night just because when your skin is regenerating. But like, I know there are, there are people who have like these kinds of opinions or facts. Mm -hmm. I just Google every time, like, if I'm not sure. But I don't know, is there a rule of thumb for people? Well, so I have seen some things. They do get a little bit contradictory. But again, when I was going through Dr. V's YouTube channel, she was actually talking about it um, in terms of layering different things that will help your skin for hyperpigmentation. So I'm going to go back and I will link that in our show notes. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's something that seriously just had never dawned on me because when I feel like a lot of times when I went into stores, I was just handed things and told to use them daily. But, and like, I always read the directions and look at the box and everything, but there's nothing on there that says like, oh, don't combine your vitamin C with retinol or something like that, mm -hmm. which I kind of wish that there was because if there are YouTubers who make videos about it, 
I also think that's very personal about it. Like there's also such thing as some products, I don't remember the product has, they have this thing called like time releasing vitamin C where it doesn't just release in one batch. Like it like every two hours, like it gets more into your skin. Oh, wow. Or time release retinol, I don't remember. It's time release something. I know, I think it's Peter Thomas Roth that has the products, but like they have some products that like don't just like start working right away. Like they get released throughout. I think it's maybe a retinol because it's something about the cell regeneration. Oh, that's or pretty cool. Or it could be vitamin C, I don't know. I know for a while, like when I was first starting to get my skin on track, I used the Pure Vitamin C and Vitamin A from Clinique. It was like these little push packs and it was like vitamin you had- C. Vitamin A is retinol. Yeah. So you had like a 10 day supply and it was supposed Very to be like- powerful. oh Yeah, like Very super powerful. powerful. And I used that and that was- fantastic yeah. oh my god because that's like very potent mm -hmm. seriously 10 for 10 recommend but yeah google i don't know like and it's also very personal like they might say never use these products together but if they work on your face they work on your face mm -hmm. but if it's all if it's not working and you feel like you're doing all the correct things like if you think you're doing all the correct products and have the things then check the order but like if you think you're fine then don't stress and last question because you know we are in a pandemic here should we be investing in silk masks like like a sh this is skincare so like a sheet mask like 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 skincare mask like, like a when, like a like a face mask for when you go outside when you're around people to God. avoid wrinkles and bad oils and stuff God. like that because I've seen that pushed at me a lot lately like through Instagram and other online ads so this what I'm going to say is completely anecdotal and has no proof behind it. I've personally experienced when I have not been eating as clean and I have to wear a mask for a long period of time is when I get my mask knee. So for me, it has a lot more to do with like particles that you are breathing in and out while wearing something that's controlling it. Mm -hmm. Cause like I've gotten some pretty bad acne at mask knee and then sometimes I don't. I think it's like the longer you have to wear a mask, I think similar to not washing your makeup brushes, people wash your makeup brushes wearing a mask for eight hours is not good for you i think you should have a few and rotate them mm -hmm. i don't think I've heard things about the silk mask, just like you should sleep with silk, with silk pillowcases and you should sleep only on your back and sleep like a zombie so you don't move. I got false lashes put on me once and she's like, oh, I can tell you sleep on this side because this eyelash is more kinked than the other one. So like, apparently you just need to sleep like you're dead people. I don't know if nothing else has worked for your mask. Maybe try them and see if there's, they'll work for you. But I personally see, cha I think changing, changing your mask, whatever you do is. Mm -hmm. I also don't see the need to waste foundation and even put anything on which is why for me personally I felt it's more about like what I'm breathing in and how hydrated I am like what particles yes particles can pass through not as many because you are wearing a mask but it's like think of like if you're holding your hands in front of your face and all the germs that you're just passing back and forth between your mouth and your face it's like mm -hmm. why you use why we should all use our elbows to cough in and not our hands mm -hmm. that we touch doorknobs with and hold our phone with and shake other people's I just think it has more to do with like how my diet and how my hydration is like how my overall health is doing with the mask than just particularly like oh it's because I'm not wearing a silk one that I'm breaking out. Mm -hmm. But again, that is purely anecdotal. I have no clue if anyone else has the same experience. I mean, it may, for me, it makes common sense, but like it, my theory is my theory. <laughs> no, I mean, I get it. It definitely makes sense to me. I was just curious because I've recently gotten on the silk pillowcase train, not just for my face, but also for the health of my hair and trying to preserve curls and everything. Have you noticed a difference? I've noticed I slide off of it and wake up with <laughs> horrible neck aches. But thank you all for listening to this episode of In Omnia Paratus, released sometime in the future. Grab your coffee bowls and... 
If you have any questions about skincare or just want to share anecdotes with us or learn a little bit more about what we're doing, head on over to at Inomniapod on Instagram and don't be afraid to DM us or list a question or comment in our comments. Bye. Wear your sunscreen every day, even if you're just driving a car. Neck and hand show first.